0: now tune in to the storm tracker podcast
1: All right, it's the Storm Tracker podcast here. I'm Marcus Benjamin representing for canescounty.com, part of the Rivals network, and it's Monday, which means Sometimes it's blue Mondays, and today we've got Larry Bluestein, South Florida insider, legendary insider, joining me today. Thanks for joining the show once again, Larry. Not a problem, thank you, Marcus, for having him. All right, uh, so this weekend, Larry, we were at um, actually, before I get started, I always got to forget to say like, subscribe to this channel subscribe to canescounty.com uh, like i said part of the rivals network and make sure you share uh this podcast as well um uh, but like i was saying we were at the 2-2 at well seven on seven this weekend uh, and boy was it hot it, it was <laughs> uh, it was another scorcher out there in south florida and there was a a. A great amount of talent out there, per usual. A lot of top uh, South Florida high school program programs were out there, uh, including Chaminade, Miami Central, Miami Northwestern, who is kind of the de facto host of the event, uh, along with Miami Norland, Booker T. Washington. Teams that have kind of tore it up this off-season um, seven seven-on-seven season this year, and um, there were some, like I said, there were some great, great players out there. A lot of players stood out to me. Jeremiah Smith, obviously, Josiah uh, Trader uh, were, were excellent leading their team, Chaminade, to a tournament victory. Uh, this tournament's now it's in, in its second year, Larry, and it, it looks like it's here to stay, what stood out to you about this uh tournament well
0: first of all uh i thank the uh tutu atwell foundation for what they've been able to do and uh uh you know i've known tutu forever you know good and great family and uh, you know his dad used to play back in the day at miami high and and uh the one thing that he's kind of and he told me he was uh on a radio show last week and he said that, The inspiration really for him to give back is from Teddy Bridgewater, who does a lot of the same. He kind of uh, used Teddy as a role model through growing up and kind of followed in his path and done pretty well uh, at doing it. But he really loves to give back to the community. And that's the one thing that people, you know, I mean, there's a lot of athletes uh, you know, that come from South Florida, but very few of them will do things like this. And uh, and it, as you said, I think what's happening now, it's kind of morphed into uh, an offseason event. Uh, pretty much the last one of the summer uh, that is going to be I think everybody's going to want to be in it next year. And everybody's going to want to jump into it because if you look and you had just mentioned the teams that were in there. How many areas of the country would he be able to have that much football talent on two fields? Um, yeah. I don't think I don't think anywhere. I don't care where you go. And uh, here you have, uh, as you mentioned, I mean, uh, uh, a wide receiver core of uh, Jeremiah Smith and Josiah Trader, arguably the two best 2024 kids in the country. At that position, and then you added Kyle Washington, who I think is a really, really yeah. good uh, football He's player. He's got speed; he makes things happen. And then the addition of uh, Denarius Gray, uh, who came in uh, from Boynton Beach, from uh, uh, Somerset Canyons, another junior, a young sophomore kid. So they're setting the table for the future. You have a, a quarterback, I think, a guy who really probably upped his stock with the fans not so much to colleges because he's already on his way to NC State is Cedric Bailey. Absolutely uh, a six seven quarterback. And he's <laughs> the only guy I've ever seen that if, if you know how guys if they're 5'11, 170, they'll say they're six one, one eight. He downplays it. He says he's six five and, and and what a good guy. You know I mean, he's a hard worker. I mean, you know, like I said, he's on his way to NC State. Miami central, you know, obviously every, they were the winners last year, by the way, the uh, cash prize is $5,000, which is matched by the NFL. So Chaminade walks away with 10 grand for the program. Like everyone's saying, wow, they don't need that, but you know what? Everybody (laughs) needs it. I mean, you know, just, you know, they travel a lot. They do a lot of things. That's, you know, that's less fundraising that they're going to have to do, but you look at Miami central and I'll tell you right now, I mean, if there was a draft of, uh, wide receivers, obviously Josiah trader and Jeremiah, but what about Luane McCoy? I don't think that cat kid gets enough credit Marcus for what he, you know, what he brings to the table. I think he's an, an awesome football talent. You know, I mean, I think he, you know, he makes big catches a verbal to Florida state. Everybody, um, You know, he's a big body kid at 6'2", 180, 185. I think also we got a chance to see the quarterbacks at uh, Central. I mean, I don't think they had as great a weekend as they could have had. But uh, listen, it's a great thing for Coach Jube Joseph to have, to have three such really, really good high school quarterbacks. And uh, they did real well. Uh, Another kid uh, that caught my mind was Seku Smith. Uh, who I think is a really, really good uh, athlete type of kid. Uh, I think he's doing, you know, extremely well. I'll tell you, I wrote a story earlier this summer on the secondary at Booker T. Washington, the size, the athletic ability. And we got a chance to see a lot of that. We saw Antonio Branch Jr., uh, who I like a lot. So I saw Andre Brown Jr., a kid that, uh, a wide receiver kind of asserted himself, uh, Gerald modest, who's going to probably have to take a, a bulk of the carries this year, uh, yeah. with, um, AJ, you know, coming back slowly. Um, I think that Gerald, Gerald modest, a lot of people don't say uh, a lot about him. His brother also Gerard, uh, who's a young kid, a uh, wide receiver out there. So he, we had an opportunity to see them, um, Northwestern, you know, when we talk about them being the unofficial, you know, host, which they were, but they really, really have surprised me. I went to their spring game. uh, Michael Lee Harris, from the exercises all the way throughout the whole game, was upbeat, wearing, even in the heat of the spring, wearing a tie and shirt and all that stuff. And I think he's energized his program take never will take anything away from what Max Edwards did because, you know, he brought in three titles. So, but I think that, that program is, is really energized. You know, they have been uh, Darius Johnson uh, came over from uh, Edison as a wide receiver. They have a couple of good quarterbacks They have a young quarterback and then they have uh, the kid posse who uh, much travel, but you know what? I thought he kind of like, I thought he's really, really shown well here in the spring and into the summer. Um, You know, the athletic kid that they have for 2027, uh, Nick Lennier, who really kind of took out, he kind of took over the show. Uh, You know, you look at them and then you look at Homestead, obviously Cortez Mills, uh, James Randall comes in from mainland high school. Uh, so two receivers there that's going to give uh the kid Josh Townsend someone to throw to, and obviously, and Norland, you know, everybody talks a lot about them, and I think they talk about themselves enough too. Um, <laughs> but y- you look at any Oyapur, uh, you know, you oh, look right. and and it's kind of strange because Frank Tucker and I were talking about him, and he really is like Daniel Richardson, you know, I mean, in the you yeah. know. Daniel brings a lot, obviously, different things to the table, but from a size-wise. And people don't want to understand that that's what college coaches look at. They look at the measurables. I mean, and obviously, you know, you have a kid who's just about six foot. You know, I'll say that because his dad's going to probably watch this. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> But he's a leader, and the kid could throw, and he could run, and much like Daniel, you know, he wins. Hey, who cares, you know, what he looks like? He, you know, he's a winner. Uh, Jade Card, who I think is, you know, one of, the, you know, if you're looking at transfer port, the the, the great transfer portal kids, you know, from the uh, from this off season. Comes from South Broward. This kid could play anywhere. Wide receiver, safety, cornerback. I mean, he's 6'2". He's 190 pounds. I mean, the kid's a a huge addition. And speaking about huge additions, they were kind of light in the secondary. And uh, they picked up Jamari Howard, who was at um, Westland Hialeah. And then they're going to get the kid uh, Tarver, uh, you know, who just committed to Maryland uh, from – Uh, Prep the prep school, Uh, and then and then you look at a kid, a wide receiver, a young kid that's uh, making his way through his Ivory Akins. So you had a lot of talent on those teams. Um, You know, obviously American had Jordan Campbell, who's a young guy who's been around, but he's only I think he's only a 2025 or six kid. Um, Also, uh, Daryl Bell from Goldman. I mean, you know, as they say, he sticks out like a sore thumb on a program like that. But, you know, yeah. you got to give Coach Ariel uh, Cabrera Cribe- a lot of credit for what he's been able to do with Goldman and get those kids over there. But Darrell's one of those guys, a 2026 20, kid. Obviously, he's a power five guy. Uh, that's something that. Uh, uh, that Goldman doesn't produce, uh, you know, a whole lot of, but yeah, there was a lot of talent. You know, you look at uh, a lot of those schools that were on hand and I yeah. think, uh, I think the programs that came really enjoyed themselves uh, because they were in the spotlight, you know, as well as I do, cause you're on the internet a lot too. If, I mean, you can't, uh you can't you can't let wind out without anybody knowing uh, you know nowadays everybody's gonna comment on everything you do so it's a big spotlight for a high school kid to be under uh because yeah. there's a lot of people watching a lot of people commenting and uh, yeah i thought uh two great days uh, as you said it was about a billion degrees and uh you know <laughs> but uh, that's the one thing you got to give the organizers credit i mean they had Gallons and gallons of liquid to give the kids, and ice, and uh, yeah, and and then also you look at a uh, you know a guy who you know, and I've been doing this for a lot of years, and you know, I was talking to uh, a couple of the coaches at the event the other day, and I said, you know, you know how lucky we are uh, to have somebody like Ice Harris. I mean, here's a guy, Marcus, who epitomizes uh being a coach i mean he's a disciplinarian he's very knowledgeable he's a no-nonsense guy and to have him around i think he's easily one of the top coaches that i've covered and uh you know just because of what he brings to the table and you know as well as i do you look at inner city, any inner city, and it's really tough to take those kids and, you know, to, to keep that discipline going. But uh, he he rules with an iron fist. And yeah. I think Michael Lee Harris is starting to do that as well. And we know Jube Joseph when he took over Central, sure. uh, you know, that that was a difference because uh, he he um, he expected a lot, but he didn't take any grief from the kids. And if you didn't want to be there, you were gone.
1: Absolutely. Uh, coach Ice, just a legendary coach and probably in the conversation of one of the most legendary coaches yeah. in all in all of South Florida history. And Michael Lee Harris and Juve Joseph off to really great starts as well. Obviously, Juve Joseph last year with the undefeated season for Miami Central, a legendary team. Sure. Um, that that beat IMG Academy, and now Michael Lee Harris. I enjoyed watching him as a wide receiver, yeah, uh, yeah, from Miami Northwestern, and then he moved on to Louisville. So it's great to see him revitalize that program. Um, now, no, no, no disrespect at all to Coach uh, Max Edwards. He is also a legendary coach, sure. in his, in his own right, bringing three state championships to a legendary program in Miami Northwestern. Uh, For me, I mean, you kind of named all the great players uh, that were out there, but a couple of players that I saw that you didn't mention was Chris Ewald, man. This kid is a dynamic. Already uh, committed as a junior. Right. uh, Right. To Michigan, just uh, a dynamic cover corner. And a lot of times he was matched up against Florida state commit LeWayne McCoy. And it was just a great battle to watch. And oftentimes Ewald, who's a 2025 prospect, won several of those battles. Another one is, is Zaquan Patterson, you know, the, the other five star out of, a beast. Out, of, out of Chaminade. He's just super athletic, very rangy. Um, I don't think you quite see just how dynamic he is in seven on seven because he's not able to get as physical as he would like. Uh, but he was just an outstanding talent that day, too. And, and the central quarterbacks, yeah, I I do have to say something about them as well. Uh, the, the kid Kritza from, uh, the West coast coming over. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's just a great, a great talent. Um, you know, unfortunately central came up a little bit short, but they were in it in every game. And, and, um, of course they are going to be a force this season on the gridiron and, um, uh, that comparison to Daniel Richardson uh with, with EJ Yapor, I think is spot on. Uh I really think he is that type of quarterback. Daniel Richardson obviously was outstanding quarterback playing for Miami Carroll City. Set and still is. He's gonna be Correct. starting at right. FAU. <laughs> yeah, right. Um had a stint over there at uh, at Central Michigan and and now is uh, at, at FAU. Um had the record for most yards in, in Dade County um, before that was broken, like several ta- times in the past couple of years here. Um, but all of these South Florida talents, uh, you, you kind of see them. And and, and um, you, you think about the Miami Hurricanes and what they've built over the past few years, um, or, or I should say past few decades with championships and a lot of the talent Came from right here in South Florida or Florida. And there's always this notion about keeping South Florida talent home or locking down the state of Miami. And a lot of the times, Miami does get that talent and sometimes they don't. You know, we've seen plenty of times over the years that like uh, talents like Brandon Ennis are, are going to Ohio State, Jerry Judy going to Alabama, um, Amari Cooper going to an Alabama, um, um, Hollywood Brown going to an Oklahoma. There's just several times where they do not get the premier talent that's here in South Florida to stay in Coral Gables. How important do you think that is for the Miami Hurricanes in particular that are, you know, living in this football hotbed of South Florida talent to kind of keep that talent home? Well, you know, first of all, I mean, this is, I mean, even back when they
0: were ruling the college football world, whether it be in the eighties or back in the late nineties, early two thousands, they were always losing kids. You like Derek, Derek Thomas and Marvin Jones and Steve Hutchinson and Isaac Bruce and uh, players like that. uh, They've always, uh, you know, and even now, you know, you look at the recruiting class last year and, you know, with Daryl Porter coming back, you know, from his West Virginia uh, commitment, and uh, and then you look at the Washington brothers, how they've done, and you look at somebody like Wesley Besaint, and you kind of, uh, you know, you look at those guys and you look at Ray Ray, and, and, and then you say to yourself, you know, you can't get everyone, and what I think is a unique mix now is you're tapping into more of a national recruiting base than you've ever had before because of Mario Cristobal, what he's yeah. been able to do on the West coast. What he, you, know, the, 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 uh, uh, the friendships and the relationships he met, he made at Rutgers and uh, at Alabama and, um, and his assistant coaches who have Louisiana ties, who have Texas ties. And I think that's what you're seeing a lot more of now. And and I think the portals kind of dictated that too, Marcus, because you can't, you know, you, you would much rather take a, a sophomore, junior type kid who's seasoned than maybe that incoming freshman. And that incoming freshman may be from Northwestern or Edison or wherever, uh, but because that guy is that you need is somebody who can come in and play right away, you take a kid from Alabama, you take a kid from Georgia, you know. So I don't think is that much emphasis, you know. I mean, sure, you would like to hold on to a, you know, somebody like an Ennis or Judy. But it's not, you know, that's just the way things have always been. I mean, you look at some of the talent that Miami's quote-unquote lost over the years but still maintained to win. I think it's kind of overblown. I think they have kids. Yeah, you would like to see them. I mean, you, you pick out guys like an N.S. or you pick out guys like that because they're marquee, marquee kids. But along the way, Miami still uh, manages to keep some high-star rated kids home as well. And But I see your point uh you know but i think times have changed because of the portal um because of the fact that you know the the roster spots are limited and the one thing is though if you look at last year's roster as opposed to this year you don't always want to just have a kid from south florida just to have that kid i mean you're you could see now and I pointed this out last week when I was with you, uh, that if you look at the roster on what July 10th of 2022, and now you look at it July 10th of 2023, it's an 80 percent turnaround. So you have more kids from all over, uh, you know, the country. I mean, but you have to parlay that success. You have to, uh, you know, the success at, at Marib- uh, that Marib uh, that the the um, Uh, Mario and the coaching staff have had on that West coast. And, you know, I mean, it tapped into the Oregon's and the Washington's and the California's and Nevada's and places like that, uh, uh, because he's making a lot, his relationships here. Now, if you look and I'm not taking shots in any regimes that were in the past, but I think the high school coaches relationship and the player relationship is better than it's been in, 25, 30 years in South Florida, like in Miami-Dade, Broward, throughout the state of Florida, because they all respect what's going on. Uh, You know, when, you know, before no one really reached out to a lot of these kids from Orlando or going up to Jacksonville and, and, and getting a, a big time lineman or, you know, going to Orlando or Tampa area. That really wasn't in the cards in the past, but you could see, you can see what the respect everybody has for this program, and they understand that a good year this year will just take this program off. I mean, they win seven, eight games this year. Marcus, the uh, the sky's a limit because look at they're doing
1: off of a five and seven year. Right, right, exactly, which is outstanding. Uh, he, this coaching staff has to be commended for what they are doing, recruiting wise. Right it's on one of the worst seasons in the last thirty to 40 years um but is is it important you think to for this team to get more wins uh, let's say let's say eight wins uh eight eight to uh, let's just say eight wins let's let's just put it at that because vegas has the miami hurricanes at a seven and a half so eight wins by the national standards i or or vegas standards would be a successful season and we all know how important recruiting is we kind of just we've been kind of talking about it before um this entire podcast and miami had a top 10 class last season which which we you know just stated was an is outstanding considering how the program has been uh, the past couple of years, Uh, a little up and down, but for the most part, mediocre. Is it more important for the Hurricanes to get a top 10 recruiting class or eight wins this season?
0: Well, I think, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword, isn't it? I mean, you because you would like to keep the recruiting going, but at the same time, to do that, you have to cheat, start achieving. This is a now society. You know that. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you have college coaches coming into jobs, and they're winning nine and ten games right away uh, for one reason or another. But it's become that immediacy. And, you know, you cautiously look at the schedule this year. And as you mentioned, I think nationally they're expected to win 7-7. Seven, seven. I Listen, I just want them to make a bowl game. Cause I sat there last year in the postseason and looked at schools like New Mexico and Eastern Michigan. And I'm thinking they're making bowl games, but here's Miami sitting home, you know I mean? And I'm not, I don't care if it's a tax Slayer bowl or the orange bowl, you gotta have a little bit of notoriety because those games, you know, as well as I do in between those, you know, after Christmas all the way to the first of the year, all those games have a nice slot nationally, so you're getting a chance. The kids are getting a chance to watch these uh, teams play. Now, Miami, that being said, you know, it's it's you look at the schedule and they need to come out of the gate, as we mentioned last week. I mean, if they can beat Texas A&M, I think that's a huge boost because they're going to be four or five games in without a loss before they have to go and play a North Carolina or a Clemson and they'll have more confidence. And we will know as fans and analysts what Miami's about. So I would much rather open up with a Miami of Ohio or, you know, than I would in Alabama, you know, I mean, just to, or LSU, just to open up with marquee teams, especially when you're young. I mean, if you're stacked like a Georgia and Alabama or Ohio state, those first games can be Notre Dame or they can be USC, but Miami's at that point now where they're looking for every advantage possible. And I think that, This year, as I said, if you you pin me down right now, and usually I know a lot about these teams, you know, the team, I couldn't really tell you what the expectations are because you look at 37 different faces on a team. You know, when they go, well, one or two or three kids don't make a difference. 37 does, you know, I mean, when when you're looking at it. So I think it's pivotal that they go to a bowl game. As you mentioned, if they can win seven or eight regular season games and come up with a bowl win, you got nine wins. And that's not so bad. You know, in this day and age, I mean, you win nine games, then you could go to those marquee guys like a Brandon Innes or a Jeremiah Smith and say, listen, you know what? We didn't go to a bowl game last year and we won five. This year we were on national TV three times and we won nine games and we're going to get kids. And I think that's the big difference because – You know, it used to be that the kids didn't really even care. They would come just to get some playing time. Now it's all the bells and whistles. And if you remember when USC and Miami both went on probation that year, Miami attacked it by getting Tracy Howard and Duke Johnson, where USC went and got five-star linemen so they could get two-star running backs to look much better. So that's what Miami's done now. They've gone out and got quality guys in the trenches, you have and and Lee and Javion Cohen. You got two seasoned veterans yeah. uh, with a lot of experience playing and leading. So you got them to start out with. Then the core that you had from last year, plus three freshmen or two freshmen that come in with a uh, you know extensive you know, uh, a lot to, uh, you know, high ceilings and stuff. So that's what you have at every position. You added a running backs, you added wide receivers, you added secondary kids, linebacker wise. I think that their future is just crazy good uh, because of all the guys like a Gary and kids coming in uh, like that, especially because of the fact that you got some infusion from that portal with Malagoa's brother, who, looks yeah. the part, and I Absolutely. think he's going to be a playmaker. And uh, so you're a whole different team, you know, yeah. than you were when, you know, the November, la- you know, when we ended against Pittsburgh last year. And then you looked and wow, this roster. And I said this before, and I will never back away from it. Having followed this team for a long, long time, last year might have been the worst roster they've ever had. I mean, especially because here's something to back that up you were down to a walk on running back. Yeah, I mean, Come on. You know? So yeah, I, I think there's so much to look forward to in the fact that you have the pieces in place from a leadership standpoint, from a coaching standpoint to succeed. And I think that's a very important part.
1: Very critical year for the Miami hurricanes here in 2023. A lot of hometown kids already on the roster that are looking to make a huge impact. Cameron Kitchens, obviously the All-American. Reuben Bain looking to make some noise in year one. Wesley Besaint looking to make some noise in year two, as well as Nigel E. Kelly. The future definitely seems bright with those 37 new players on the roster. And they're not just out from South Florida, like you said, because right. of Mario Cristobal's Recruiting prowess across the entire country, Larry Bluestein, ladies and gentlemen, South Florida legendary insider, kind enough to to join me today. Where can people find more information um, about you know the stuff that you bring yeah, forth?
0: Uh, you can join us. Uh, we have our radio show each week. Uh, this week it's on a Wednesday. Um, probably get you on uh, as we do all the time. And um, yeah, it's good good informative show on wqam it uh, gives an opportunity for uh, college coaches analysts from around the state you know whether it be ucf or usf or fsu or florida uh, to kind of tell you a little bit about their team so i mean even though we try to make a have a hurricane guest every week uh, we kind of leave it open to everybody so they could listen to the show and it's not we don't pigeonhole them and they thinking it's just one school that we you know deal with and then uh, we have our larry blue's which is something that deals Dayton Broward, you know, a lot of local features, team yeah. stuff, and then our prep red zone, uh, Florida uh, coverage, which I think is really, really stepped up the game. Uh, we've. Uh, covered 139 uh, high schools around the state already with about 30 more to go uh, in depth on all the, the teams the players and um, so that's it and uh we're on uh, every monday night on the uh, six ring canes podcast uh with jazz santana and Vish and and Dj and uh, we kind of banner things around in all sports So uh, it's it's an exciting time, and um, me and you will be joining each other here a lot more in the the coming months.
1: Absolutely. Thanks again, uh, Larry, uh, for joining me today for Blue Mondays. And uh, football season is almost (laughs) coming up. Uh, I I can smell it, you know, I can smell the grass, and I can smell the coaches yelling at the kids. It's going to be (laughs) awesome uh, coming up soon. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for the Storm Tracker podcast. Make sure you subscribe to this YouTube channel live from Keynes County. Also, make sure you visit our website, keynescounty.com, part of the Rivals Network, for a lot of exclusive information regarding Miami Hurricanes athletics. Until the next episode.